0: Thanks so much, Ben. Well, welcome along to Beyond Church tonight. If you missed it or if you snuck in late, my name is Chris and we are so excited to have you here on Mother's Day. Uh, if you're a mum and you're here today, a, a really warm welcome to you especially and a big uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mums out there. If you're a mum listening online too, uh, later a um, happy Mother's Day to you as well. Before we get into it this week, um, we just as we wrap up a series that we've been doing here at Beyond, uh, we just wanted to um, celebrate this week uh, at Beyond Church, we launched uh, the Go Beyond initiative. Uh, we believe here at Beyond that the church is not a building, the church is actually the people. Uh, and that might be new for you if you've never been to church before in your life, maybe you just kind of thought church was a building or the steeple or, or a black room, but we believe that the church is actually the people and that, the, that we the people are not here to, to build buildings, uh, but we're here to actually do what Jesus did and, and that's love our community and love other people. So on Friday night, we had a whole heap of people come in here and just cook up uh, a lot of meals for people in our community uh, that couldn't cook for ourselves. And then on Saturday, we went out and we had a, a couple of teams, and they were all set to go to two different houses. Excuse me, the projector's dying, my voice is dying tonight as well, but we'll get through it. Um, we, we had two teams set up to go to two different houses, and then the, on the Friday, uh, one lady, or the, one of the houses we were going to, they said, you know, we were going to help them move, and they said, well, You can't actually help us move anymore because we're we're having a house inspection on that day. And so we just sent all of our one team to this this one house uh, and and we rocked up there and uh, there was a a mum there with nine foster kids, five of whom had special needs and her husband had just passed away in December. So we were able to to, uh, do a whole heap of work in her backyard and and most importantly, just spend some time. When when you're a single mum with nine foster kids... Uh, sometimes it can be uh, a little bit challenging, so to say the least. So we were able just to love on our community. So if you're a part of Go Beyond, or, or if you know people in the future that we can start to serve uh, when we do the Go, Run Go Beyond initiatives uh, in the future, we want to say thank you uh, for serving. We want to say if you've got any other names, we'd love to serve uh, our community more. But if you're just here with us tonight, uh, we're wrapping up a six-part series that we've been doing here called Guess Who? Uh, if you're new to Beyond or maybe you're new to church, the way we like to do things is we like to do series. So we'll follow a theme or a topic or an idea and we'll unpack it and we'll flesh it out over a number of weeks. And the the subtitle of our series, Guess Who, is Knowing Who You Are and Growing Into Who You Want to Become. Knowing who you are, in the first two weeks, we looked at this idea of, do you know who you are? <clears throat> because so many of us walk through our lives thinking that we know who we are, thinking that we know where our identity is placed, yet we come back in in a year, two years, three years, four years' time. We have a midlife crisis and we say, this is not where I want it to end up. This is not where I want it to be. How did I end up getting here? And so we said, in order to know the person that you want to grow into, you need to know where your identity is. Even if it's not where you want it to be, even if it's not where you'd like it to be, you at least need to you owe it to yourself to know what you're placing your identity in. And then over the next four weeks, we've been giving a number of practical tips that can help you grow into the person that you want to become. And these aren't specifically like, if you're a church person, these only apply to you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, these apply to you. This is just, this is just a person. This is just a thing thing. If you want to grow into the person you want to become, then we've given you four tips to help you, or tonight we're going to finish up, but we've given you some tips to help you grow into the person you want to become. And we've been doing this not with the intent to, you know to kind of get you to come to church or get you to follow Jesus, but we just want to add a category to your thinking. We want to give you a perspective that maybe you've never, ever thought of before. And as we wrap up tonight with this series, I want to give you one final perspective, one final perspective. I don't know whether, for those of you who are guys, this won't apply to you, uh, you know, but particularly for the women, for this first part, maybe you've heard of this thing, or maybe you've turned this thing called the man look, you know, or the boy look, this is, my, um, this is a, the book that I'm reading at the moment. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great book. If I have a man look in my house, if I'm reading my book and I place my book down and my book is in plain sight, I am able to see it. There is my book. I have found my book. But just say, and of course I'm not messy at all, but let's just say I've had the blanket or I've, I've, you know something's happened and, I, and I've put my, my, uh, my, my shirt down over my book. I look at, where is my book? It's like I'm a little kid playing peekaboo, like I've lost my book. There, where is my book? And, and the thing with the man look is, for those of you who have ever seen a guy do the man look, often men will go up and they'll stand there. No, it's not there. And they, might, they do, well, I just don't know where it could be. And they almost like, when guys do the man look, they remind me of a CSI crime scene investigator. I don't want to touch the scene in case I disrupt anything, but I just ah, I can't tell if it's there or not. We have the, and it's not until you get, you know, a wife or a mum or or maybe like a loving sister comes along and and goes, oh, look, here it is, right where you left it. That's what they always say. That's what mums, that's what wives, that's what they always say. It's right where you left it. It's not until us guys who are a little slow, who like to treat the scene like a crime scene investigator, it's not until we're given a new perspective on the situation that we're able to see where what we've misplaced is. And that's the same in our lives, isn't it? When we gain a different perspective of something, sorry, we gain a new understanding. When we gain a different perspective on something, all of a sudden, oh look, I have a new understanding of where my book was. And this isn't necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, it's just just a thing. You might, uh, you might gain a new perspective or a new understanding of someone you're in a relationship with. Maybe that they have a, a passion for a kind of music that you didn't know. And you find that, that out about them. You find uh, when you first dating them, they have a collection of all these, these albums, these vinyls that you never knew they were into that kind of music. You gain a new perspective and a new understanding into that person. And in fact, there are perspectives that you and I can only get in our lives unless someone else points it out to us. See, that's usually the thing with a new perspective. Someone has to point it out to us. Because when we walk through life, a lot of us seem to be stuck with the man-looking life. When we look at anyone else's life, when we look at the way that they live their life, it's there. It's so simple. The perspective is there. But when we're in the midst of it, when we're journeying through life ourselves, we can look back at our relationships. We can look back at those financial decisions. We can look back at those conflicts that we got into and we can go, I just don't know what a perspective is that can help me out in this situation. I just don't know a way of looking at this that will, that will help me understand and help me see it in a new way. I'm trying as hard as I can, but I need someone else <clears throat> to come along and to show me a new understanding. And so as we wrap this series up tonight, I want to give you a little bit of a new understanding. It's really going, isn't it? When we talk about, uh, in our lives, the people that we wanna grow into, a lot of us have heroes in our lives. And a lot of us you know, have this idea or this concept in our mind, this perspective of who people we admire are, what they do, how they behave, how they go about their lives. And for some of us, we think in our minds that growing into the person we want to become is gonna be an easy thing. Because when we look at our heroes, when we look at the people we admire, we see all their highlights and we see all their best bits. And it takes sometimes a new perspective to understand how we can actually begin to grow into the people we want to become. And so as we wrap this series up, I wanted to give you a new perspective on a couple of people. Maybe you knew this perspective on them before but maybe you didn't. The first person up on the screen, um, if it's working tonight. No. Nope. <clears throat> are, we, are we dead up? Dead? <clears throat> so the first person that was gonna be up there was Thomas Edison. For those of you who don't know, Thomas Edison in, 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 invented the photograph. Uh, he invented the light bulb. But a lot of you might not know that when Thomas Edison was in primary school, a teacher told him that he was too stupid to learn anything. This is one of the most influential inventors of our generation. And this guy was told that he was too stupid to learn anything. We look at Thomas, we think, what an incredible person. Look at all he's done. Yet we never have this perspective that as a child, he was told that he was too stupid to learn anything. The next person uh, that was going to be up there was Abraham Lincoln. We think of Abraham Lincoln, you know, the great president of the United States. Something you might not know is that he lost seven elections. He failed in his business and he had a nervous breakdown. He was on the brink, like he was constantly in depression. Yet he is one of the greatest presidents in United States history. Oprah Winfrey pretty popular, she actually has the, uh, the highest rating talk show in the history of the world. There she is, But back to life. Did you know that she was actually demoted as a news anchor because she was deemed not fit for television? Imagine looking back now to Oprah Winfrey and saying you're not fit for television. The number one talk show in history. What a different perspective. Dr. Seuss is the next guy. You know he went to 27 publishers before he finally got a book deal? Twenty-seven publishers knocked the best-selling ever, the best children's author in history back before someone would have a look at one of his books. Twenty-seven people. The final person, I couldn't help it. You know, I love football, the round ball football. Some of you may incorrectly call it soccer. That's okay. We all got areas we need to grow into. That's what this series is about. <clears throat> Lionel Messi. He's won the Ballon d'Or, which is the, the award for the number one player in the year five times. But when he was 11 years old, he was diagnosed with a growth hormone deficiency and he was cut from his academy and told, you will never ever be a footballer because you are too small and you are too weak. All these people, we we look at them and we see their highlight reel, but we don't understand and we need to understand and we need to gain a new perspective and a perspective that we may not have ever had on them before. When we gain a new perspective and we have a new understanding, then it can help us Be prepared to grow into the people that we want to become. And as we wrap up this series tonight, if you've been joining us uh, for the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at a letter that a guy called Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus. And this church, uh, this group of Christians was a church or or a gathering of people that Paul started. And Paul, he went through a radical perspective change in his life. Because he used to kill Christians for a living and then he became a Christian. And he actually went and started churches. And Paul is writing this letter back to this church in Ephesus. Because <clears throat> this church in Ephesus has had a similar, uh, a similar life, a similar journey to Paul. Because they are in the city of the pagan god Artemis. The temple to Artemis is there. It's one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. Seven wonders of the ancient world, rather. And they are, they are just saturated in a culture that was so anti-Christian, Do was do whatever you want, you know, know, follow whatever you want, borrow whatever philosophy you want. And then the final part of the letter that Paul's writing to the Ephesians, he goes, I want to give you a new perspective. I want to give you a fresh perspective to understand how you can begin to grow into the person you want to become. And tonight, I want to leave you with Paul's final words. And I want to leave you with that fresh perspective. And if you're not a follower of Jesus... This might sound, as we're going to read through this, you might be like, where is this going? In fact, even if you are a follower of Jesus, you might sit back and like, where is this going? Bear with me, I promise you, that right at the very end, Paul explains to us where it is going. <clears throat> but in Ephesians chapter 6, if you want to feel free uh, to turn there, Paul is wrapping up this letter to the Ephesians, he's giving them a new perspective, he's saying, hey, being a follower of Jesus is not what you understand it to be. Being a follower of Jesus is probably not what you know. In fact, you might not even know this in your life. And he says this, he goes, a final word. Be strong, be strong in the Lord and in his mercy. He's just finished in the the previous couple of chapters, giving all these practical ways how they can be strong. And they're like, okay, they're they're, they're kind of like at the end of a motivational speech. They're pumped up, they're ready to go. They're like, awesome, Paul, what have you got for us? I've got a new perspective. He says, uh, says, therefore... I'm sorry. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armour, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. And all all the Ephesians would have been like, what? What do you mean, Paul? Because this is a completely... Paul's been talking really practical, uh, day-to-day ways that they can live out growing into their identity. And all of a sudden, he says, you're going to need to put on some armour. And all the Ephesians are probably sitting there a little bit maybe like you are if you've never heard this idea before of putting on armor. They're like, what? It's going to be a fight? Where are we going to? Hang on a minute. No, 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 we don't want to fight. We're just a group of people in a town. Like, what is going on? And Paul goes, here, let me explain. So Paul starts to explain this armor that they're going to have to put on. As he starts to explain this new perspective, he goes, what you need to do to grow into the person you want to become is you need to stand your ground putting on the belt of truth. In that culture, Paul's referring to a Roman soldier, a Roman legionary soldier, part of a big uh, legion of soldiers. And so the belt was tied around their waist to hold their garments firm and tight against their body to allow them to maneuver. And Paul's saying here is you need to have the truth of who you are in your life. You need to firmly know what your identity is placed in and where you're growing. <clears throat> What's happening? It's bad, I know. Thank you. (coughs) Good help. You need to firmly know where your truth is placed in. Because when that belt is secure around the Roman soldier's waist, it is easier for them to maneuver in battle. And just like you, if you don't know the truth of your identity, if you don't know firmly who you are and what your identity is placed in, it is going to make it really, really hard for you to maneuver in battle. It is going to make it really, really hard for you to maneuver when people start to say who you're not. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know the truth of who you are, then you're going to end up in a place that you don't want to be and you're not going to know how you got there. And then Paul goes on, he goes, in addition to this belt of truth, thank you so much. I'm just going to sip this constantly. Man, I should have had a LEM sip or something. (laughs) He says, um, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. The body armour in, in the, the, this Roman soldier was a piece of um, hard leather or metal. It was a couple of parts and it went over the front. The body armour protected the chest. It protected the heart. You know, one of the two, like one of the vital organs. You know, you don't want to get hit in the heart or you don't want to get hit in the head because it's game over straight away if that happens. And he is talking about this idea of righteousness. Paul's referring to your integrity and your character. If you have this righteousness on, you need to have this righteousness on so you can protect your heart. You can protect your integrity and your character. Because if you don't know who you are and you don't know who you're growing into, then it is really easy for you to just end up in a place where you don't want to be. But if you know who you are, then you can stand firm in your character and you have the ability to stand firm in your integrity so that your heart doesn't get led away from the place where you want to grow into. So Paul's saying you need to make sure that your body armor... He's in place. And you need to make sure that it's protecting one of the most vital organs, the heart. And then he goes on, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. This good news in in the Greek, this good news is the gospel. Paul's referring here to the good news that Jesus came to earth for you. And if you were the last person on the face of the planet, Jesus still would have come to this earth for you. And he still would have hung on a cross and he still would have died for your sins. If you were the only person here, Jesus would have come. Regardless of your past, regardless of what you think you've done, Jesus would have chosen you and he would have come and he would have sacrificed his life for you. And the reason Paul talks about putting on the shoes of this good news, the shoes of this gospel is because if you've ever walked on unstable ground, you know that you need a good pair of shoes. If you've ever gone hiking, if you've ever gone into a rainforest and and you've been wearing vans, or or even if you've just been wearing shoes that don't have any grip and they get a bit of water on them and you you go inside on a slick surface, it's really easy to slip when your footing's not sure. But when you know that you have a God who came to earth for you, who died for you, then it is a lot easier for you to be sure in your steps, when you know that that God has called you out and said that He loves you, and regardless of whatever happened in this world, He would have still pursued you. So Paul's saying it's important to put on those shoes, because there are going to be times in your life where the ground underneath your feet is going to feel really rocky, and you're not going to be sure: is this the right step? Am I going in the right path? And Paul goes having that stability of the gospel. Knowing that at the core of your identity is a God who loves you and a God who wants something for you is going to make it a whole of a lot easier to step through the battles that life is going to confront you with. And then he goes on. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Now, this shield if you can imagine, this is not sort of, I don't know what you imagine when a shield, but I kind of imagine like a little bit of like a whole gladiator kind of thing, you know, Russell Crowe. Um, and it's just kind of like a little, it's really a pathetic shield. You've got to really know how to wield that shield. Um, this kind of shield that these Roman legionnaires carried, this was a full top to bottom shield. You could stand behind this thing and, and you were find your legs weren't exposed, your heads weren't exposed. You were going to be able to get your whole body behind this thing. And what they would do before battle is that it was, it was a shield made of wood. And so what they would do is they would, they would soak the shield in water because a lot of the times the enemies, when they went into battle, would shoot them with fiery arrows. And so having a wet, shield, a wet shield would actually diffuse the fire from the arrows when it hit the shield. And in the same way, Paul goes, you need to have the shield of faith in your life because there are going to be times in your life where people tell you, you're unlovable. You're not good enough. You're not worthy. No one likes you. You're not wanted. You're not good enough. And unless you have your identity in something firm, then those arrows are gonna pierce your heart. And you're gonna begin to believe what those fiery arrows say. And you're gonna begin to believe what people accuse you of. And you're gonna begin to believe what you accuse yourself of. Because a lot of the times, the arrows don't necessarily come from other people. A lot of the times we fire the arrows at ourselves. I'm so stupid. Oh, no one's ever going to love me. I'd always do this. I deserve to be alone. I deserve this. Paul says, you need the shield of faith. And it needs to be grounded in who you are. It needs to be grounded in Jesus, in a God that gave everything for you. Because when it's grounded in that and it's soaked in water, then whatever attack that anyone throws at you, you're, easy, you're able to deflect it you're able to put out the fire and you're able to grow into who you want to become. It's not easy, but you're able to do it. And then he goes on, he says, put on salvation as your helmet. The second vital area, the head. This was a a, a, a mighty construct. I can't even put this down, eh? This was made of uh, of iron, of metal, and it kind of came down the sides of the face uh, and it had a had some bristles on the top, like the the red bristles, the Roman soldiers that you see in the movies. And this thing was so important. And the reason that Paul talks about this idea of salvation as your helmet is because it is like the chest plate. It's covering a vital area. If you get hit in the heart, if you get hit in the head, you are gone straight away. If an an arrow comes through, there there is no kind of second guessing. It's all over. And he said, salvation is that thing that assures you in your life, that when you're fighting to grow into the person you want to become, when you're fighting to, to, you know, and you're trying to gain that new perspective, salvation is what guarantees you that you're fighting from a position of victory and you're not fighting for victory. Salvation assures you that Jesus has paid it all for you. There is nothing that you have to do to deem yourself worthy, you don't have to level up to get the upgraded salvation helmet. It's not an unlockable cheat code. It has already been paid in full. It is the assurance that if an arrow comes and hits you in the head, tries to take out your vital organs, that there is protection there. There is assurance that if an arrow is struck at your identity, at the heart of who you are, you are going to be able to, that you're not fighting for victory. You're actually fighting from a place of victory because you're fighting from a place where you know who you are. If you've ever fought from victory, If you've ever gone into a game or into a a music festival knowing that you've already won, you go into an exam knowing that you've already passed the course, it's a different fight because you're fighting from a position of victory. You don't have to prove yourself any longer. You've already had someone or you, in in the case of an exam or in in a sporting game, you've already proved it. But in this case, Jesus has already proven it for you. He's already made you worthy so you can fight from a position of victory. Excuse me. And then as we wrap up, it says, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is the only offensive weapon. If you've noticed as we've been going through, you've got a belt, not much, you've got body armor, you've got a massive shield, a cool helmet, you've got cool shoes. But so far, there's nothing for you to launch a counter. There is nothing for you to launch an offensive attack with at this point. And so Paul gives the, the people a, in, in uh, Ephesus, he goes, I want to give you a new perspective. You have one offensive weapon. And the one offensive weapon that you have is the sword. And the sword in the hand of someone who's untrained, well, oh, it's just a sword. But when the Roman legionnaires would wave their swords around, that was, a, that was a sign that they were ready for battle, that they were ready to step into the fray. And just like the sword is an offensive weapon for the Romans, so the sword is an offensive weapon for us. Because that's what we step back into. And maybe this is why, uh, maybe you didn't quite understand, maybe if you never went to church, you thought, oh, I've got to memorize all these verses. Maybe you never understood as a kid what, why people placed such an emphasis on reading the collection of books that we know as the Bible. It's because within those collection of books, within the, that we believe that God has inspired and God has breathed, there are offensive weapons that you can come back with. Someone says you are unlovable. You can say, no, God so loved me that he gave his only son. If someone says you're not worthy, you say, no, you're right, I'm not. But Christ do- came to die for those who aren't worthy. Christ came to draw me close. My favorite, one of my favorite ones is that it says in this, in the book of John, John was one of Jesus' uh, closest friends, one of the, the the dirty dozen but really tight in the three, one of my favourite ones there is when Jesus actually says, you're my friends. People have this idea of God, that God wants something from them, but in that, Jesus says, you're my friend. And this is that offensive weapon that you can come back with and you can actually go and step on the front foot and you can actually begin to fight. And maybe I get it, maybe you're here at this point and you You're thinking, cool, we've just talked about a whole bunch of armor, but I don't know if you've been looking around, Chris, we're not exactly in Ephesus, there's not really any Roman soldiers running around at the moment, all our attacks happen on the internet, you know, keyboard warriors now, they're the only kind of warriors that are out there at the moment, we're not in imminent danger, what is going on? And maybe if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're just sitting there and you're like, man, I did not, this weird, what are they talking about? Armor and all this, like, I I knew they were a little bit crazy. And chances are, regardless of whether you're a follow Jesus or, or regardless of whether you're not, chances are, as we were talking about that, you were thinking, you know, if imag- you were thinking of yourself as a solo individual in that story. When we were talking about putting on armor, you know, regardless of whether you're imagining it or whether you were zoning out, chances are you took yourself as an individual in that. Because that's what we like to do, isn't it? When we read books, this is a great book, by the way. When we read books, this this book is about a guy who storms the White House and saves the president. And I'm going to be honest, when I read it, sometimes I imagine I'm him because he's pretty awesome and I want to be the hero. It's cool to be the hero, right? And when we read that and we hear this, oftentimes we like to think of ourselves as the hero. And we miss the whole point. That Paul is talking and he's describing a Roman legion soldier. Legion soldiers don't fight alone. Legion soldiers fight with a legion of soldiers side by side by side by side by side. They're not going into war solo. And Paul is saying when you have to, when you know who you are and you want to grow into that person you're going to become and you need a new perspective, the new perspective you need is that you're not doing it on your own. You're not doing it from your strength and you don't have to fight all by yourself. And in fact, if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe someone has told you at some point, you need to put on the armor of God. You need to, you know, you don't need to pray about it and you need to put on, you need to ask God for all this armor and you need to, you know, ask God to assure you of the truth and of the righteousness and you need to ask God to assure you to pick up a sword and fight. There is no levels in following Jesus. There is no point you get to where you pray hard enough to get the full armor of God. The full armor of God is a benefit you get the second you step into a relationship with Jesus. The second you step into a relationship with Jesus, you join the family. You get full privileges. You don't have to earn anything. You get it all. You're you're already fighting, if you're a follower of Jesus, from a position of victory, with with the full armor of God on you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you thought in your mind that God required something of you. They always want my money. They always want my time. They always want me to do good things and not have sex and all that kind of crazy stuff. Maybe you never understood that Jesus actually has something for you. He doesn't want to take something from you. He actually wants to give you something. He wants to give you a hope. He wants to give you a future and he wants to let you know that regardless of what you've done, even when you think in the back of your head and you start to tell yourself, I'm not good enough, no one's ever going to love me. No one will get over these mistakes because I can't get over them. Jesus goes, you don't need to because I've already taken it all for you. And I want to give you all of this. I've got something for you. I don't want to take anything from you. See, when you realize that you're not fighting alone, it changes the way you fight. This is the final perspective that Paul leaves the church at Ephesus with. He says, when you want to grow into the person that you, that, uh, when you know who you are, and then you start to grow into that person, it's going to be a fight. It is going to be tough. There are going to be times in your life where people tell you you're too stupid. There are going to be times in your life when people tell you you're not fit for television. There are going to, maybe not, maybe you're not going into television, whatever. There are going to be times in your life where people say, because of who you are, because of the way you're made, you can't pursue this career. But Jesus says, And Paul says, here, I want to give you a new perspective because you're not fighting alone. You're not fighting alone. And when you realise that you're not fighting alone, it dramatically changes the way that you fight. We have this thing here at Beyond, it's called Full Monday. Uh, We believe that there is no point coming to church on Sunday, whether you're a follower of Jesus or whether you're not, unless it has an impact on your life for the rest of the week. Full Monday. And so this week, as we close this series up, as we wrap this idea of, of this guess who series up, I got a full Monday for the followers of Jesus, and I got a full Monday for those of you who, who maybe you don't follow Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is my challenge for you. I want you to join a connect group. Maybe for you, in your life, you thought, oh, ah no, I don't I don't need it. I don't need to, I don't need to get along in a group of people who who, who who talk about the Bible, it's awkward maybe in your experience it has been awkward i'm sorry about that it shouldn't be awkward but maybe for you you've just you maybe the reason that you push back against it is because you think that your problems and what you're wrestling with disqualify you and if people knew the real you then, then maybe they wouldn't love you maybe they wouldn't care for you maybe it's just because that this whole time you've been trapped into thinking that you're fighting this battle alone you've been trapped into this idea of thinking that when you're out there by yourself there is no one else who's going through what you're going through and no one would love you if they did and paul wants to give the same message to you that he's given to the ephesians you're not fighting alone and you don't have to fight alone. The second you step into a relationship with Jesus, you're not fighting alone and you never will fight alone anymore. And maybe for you, you've been putting it off. But now this week, if you're a follower of Jesus, my challenge for you is get into a connect group. And if you're here, if you're visiting, if you're from a different church, get into a connect group there. Get in with a whole group of people who can support you because that's the thing about an army. If the person next to you is struggling, then you help the soldier next to you so you can move forward. And then when you're struggling, the soldiers either side of you push in and strengthen you. And if you're you're not a follower of Jesus here tonight, maybe for all of your life, you've thought and you've been told by the church that you've got to get to a certain level. You've got to achieve something, you've got to earn your way into heaven. Maybe you've just made that yourself, maybe you haven't fully understood that Jesus came to give everything for you. And Jesus would gladly do it all over again, even if it was just for you. So tonight, my challenge for you is maybe it's time to step in and follow Jesus. Maybe you've never thought about the fact that if God wanted to control you, If there is a God out there who exists and he wanted to control you, he could. He's God. If he couldn't control you, like, if God wanted to control you, he would have designed you that way. But he didn't. Because he wants you to see that he's got something for you. He doesn't want to take anything from you. So maybe tonight my challenge is for you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, to step into that place and begin to follow Jesus begin to follow him and see that he's got something for you. And maybe you're pushing back and I understand but chances are there's been a time in your life where you've needed support. There's been a time in your life where you felt alone whether you're following Jesus or not and there's been a time in your life where you've pulled away and it's your friends that come knocking after you and it's your friends that pursue you and if you're in a connect group if you're in a community of people who want to support you, if you're in a a legion of soldiers who are fighting the same battle as you, they're going to know if you go down hurt. But if you fight it alone, if you just say, i got this, I'm going to pull myself away, no one's going to know when you get hurt. No one's going to know when you're on your last legs and no one's going to be able to stand there beside you to pull you back up. By that time, it's going to be too late. And chances are, even if you've never been in that situation, that you know someone in your life who has been struggling with something at some point in time and you found out about it and you said, I just wish you'd told me earlier. I just wish you'd have let me know because I would have supported you. I would have given up my time. I would have helped you. That's what you can be for someone if you step into that space as well, where you can begin to support them through their struggles, and they can begin to support you through your struggles. This is what Paul's saying. He wants to give you a new perspective. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're not fighting alone. And if you are a follower, if, if you sorry, if you are a follower of Jesus, you're not fighting alone. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you get to step into the full benefits of what Jesus has for you. You get to grow into who who you are in Christ and who God, your heavenly Father, created you to be. We're going to pray right now. Because I definitely can't talk anymore. Father, we thank you so much that your Son gave everything for us on the cross, and He requires nothing of us. Lord, we thank you that there is nothing we can do to ever separate ourselves from you. Lord, that you're a God who pursues, you're a God who keeps chasing us. Lord, just like you continually chased that, that, or pursued the people in Ephesus when they kept going back to their former way of life, when they kept worshipping in the pagan temple, Lord you kept pursuing them and you kept calling them back. Not because you want to control them, but because you want to bless them. Because you wanted them to realise that they're not fighting alone. They don't have to fight alone. And Father, maybe for some people tonight here, this has been the first time in their life that they've realised that You've got something for them. This is the first time in their life that they've realised that if God really wanted to control them, He would have created them that way. But you don't. You want us to love you, Lord, because you have loved us. And if that's you here tonight, maybe God has placed something on your heart. And just in this space, just pray this prayer. You don't have to Say it out loud. You can just say it inside, but Lord, I want to follow you. Amen. And maybe if you're not here tonight, God's placing it on your heart. Sorry, if you're here tonight, God's placing it on your heart. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, but for whatever reason, you've been you've been pushing back. Maybe for, you haven't wanted to step into a connector. Maybe you're embarrassed, or you're afraid. Maybe you're not sure what it looks like. Maybe God's convicting you to take that step tonight. To join in with your brothers and sisters who are fighting the same battle, going through the same struggles as you so that you can be supported and you can support someone else. Lord, I pray that you would empower them, anyone who's in that situation to take that step tonight. And Lord, we pray that this wouldn't be something that we just move past lord that this wouldn't be something that we just hear for six weeks that we we understand this new perspective lord but we this would be something that we know this is going to be a fight for us to grow into the people that you want us to become it's going to be a fight so father we just pray that you would help us to always remember that we are not fighting this fight alone we have a god on our side who's won victory for us we have brothers and sisters and a family in christ who are there with us so lord we want to thank you for that And step out in faith this week in your son's name. Amen.